Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. Culture is constantly shifting. There are several factors that can impact our culture, but one of the biggest is the arrival of new generations. These new generations bring new ideas, desires, wants, life goals, and overall expectations of how they approach and view work and the outside groups they engage with. Millennials, for a long time, have been the group we talk about, but there's a new generation already here you may not have been talking about just yet, Gen Z. Are we ready for them? Well, if you haven't already been talking about them, the answer is probably no. But what is this new generation looking for when it comes to joining our associations, volunteering, the kinds of education they want, and so much more? They'll challenge our associations to change and grow, but in today's age, that's necessary. Our guest today will help us explore Gen Z and provide insight into how we cannot just accommodate them, but welcome and embrace their presence. Sarah Sladek has been referred to as a social equity expert, a global leader in business strategy, and a talent economy influencer. She's a renowned thought leader on the topics of generational shift, engagement strategies, and change management. Sarah is the founder and CEO of XYZ University, one of the nation's only firms focused on generational research and the development of inclusive intergenerational workplaces. She's also the founder of Membership University, a future-focused membership strategy and training firm, and the host of the Save the Associations web show and Membership IQ podcasts. We're really excited to have you here today with us. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. So before you know, we really get into talking about Gen Z and learning a little bit more about who they are, what they're what they're looking for in our associations, can you just share a little bit about your own background? Why is this the thing you know that you love to talk about? Um, How did you get to where you are? Certainly. So I started out my career as a journalist and then was hired by an association to be their director of media. And at the time, I was still a young professional. And one of I found myself often being one of the youngest people in the room. And I had the opportunity to attend a national conference. And I really noticed the age difference. I I was the approximate age of most people's daughters. And so I remember I had to come back to the association and give a report on what I learned at this conference. And I came back and I remember saying, you know, have you ever noticed how most of our board is of a certain age and our most engaged members are of a certain age? And if we don't start planning for the future and engaging these young professionals, we're going to have a problem. And I was immediately dismissed, kind of given that proverbial pat on the head and told, oh, Sarah, that's very interesting, but I don't think we're ever going to have a challenge engaging young people. They'll grow into it. Just give it time. You know, there were there were all these excuses and phrases. And I was convinced that there would be a problem because I was hearing from lots of our member companies that they were struggling to engage young talent. I was hearing from other associations, they were struggling to engage young members. And at this time, it was Generation X everyone was talking about. And um, so I guess my journalism instincts went off and I thought there is a story here and there's research that needs to be done. And here I am all these years later. Uh, This is just a real passion of mine, trying to figure out what makes people tick, why engagement changed, 
and why certain organizations really thrive in a time of change and others really struggle. Yeah, that's really exciting. I think we'll hit on all those topics today. And I think the concept of generations is really interesting. I mean, I, I will self-identify today. I'm a millennial and I'm excited personally that we're finally talking about another generation and that millennials <laughs> does not just mean anyone under the age of 50, um, <laughs> because I feel like we've gotten a little bit of a bad rap over oh, the past uh, couple of years, yeah. um, but excited to see what that means for, again, a new generation, because I would definitely say, right, someone who's coming into the workforce right now, I probably don't operate the same as them. And uh, right. but how can I support them? Right. So I'm hoping to get something out of this today, too. And I'm excited for our discussion. So now that Gen Z is here, right, I think that's part of the intro conversation, right? Um, If we're talking about how to prepare for the arrival of Gen Z, I'm guessing you can uh, obviously correct me if I'm I'm wrong here with some of with obviously the research that you've done. But I think we're a little late if we're starting the conversation of what do we do when they get here? Because they're here um, here. already. Mm -hmm. But what are they... I think just generally, before we talk about what they're looking for in associations, what are they looking for just generally, right? As they're coming into the workforce, what are those things that are really important to them? Right. Okay. So, yes, um, I think, you know, it's important to really understand what has influenced their uh, brain development, their social development. And um, that's really what's key to to studying generations. It's not that every single person in a generation is exactly the same, but it is to say that whatever's happening in society during childhood and adolescence, that really influences your behaviors, your needs, your expectations, and even your interests. So Generation Z is the first generation to grow up with wireless and mobile technology, They're the first generation to be raised uh, with social media. And um, there is research now to prove that their brains have developed differently, which is just, it blows my mind to think about that. We're actually seeing evolution happen right now. But uh, their brains have developed differently in that they are high visual learners. And that's going to, so just in the things I just said, (laughs) when we think about what Gen Z is looking for, Obviously, speed. (laughs) They're used to things being very instantaneous, having the world at their fingertips. They're going to expect organizations that they work for to be highly accessible, highly responsive, and to have a whole lot of information at the ready. And I think just that in and of itself is going to challenge a lot of organizations. But also when you think about I, you know, I just mentioned brain development and social development, and we're just, we're still learning right now how pandemic influenced some of that brain and social development because your brain isn't fully cooked until you're uh, around 24 and the oldest Z's right now are 25, uh, 26 years old. So, so clearly most of Gen Z is still in that era of development, but When we look at the influence so far of what we know with social media and looking at that high visual learning generation, that's going to beg into, you know, the question of how are we informing people? How are we communicating? Um, Are we visual? Are we text? Are we allowing the other piece is allowing people to have a voice, 
because Gen Z has been raised always having a platform and a way to express their opinions and ideas. And um, oh my gosh, when you start just looking just at those few influences, it's it's really different. There are many, many more, which we can cover as we go through the questions, but those are those are really key. Is your organization accessible, responsive? You know, is it on demand? Is there a whole heck of a lot of information I can access very easily? And just kind of briefly, because again, I, I know I mentioned it. I think there's this view that, right, like millennial is everyone younger than a, you know, of 45 <laughs> or so, right? What right. are some of the primary differences maybe between a millennial and a Gen Z uh, individual? Sure. So both generations were raised using technology, obviously, but again, Gen Z is even more heightened, more accelerated because of that constant access to wireless and mobile technology and social media. Because of social media, Gen Z has been raised with that platform and opinions and all of that. Uh, I would say millennials, you know, their, their big challenges were things like the recession Gen Z growing up in with the in the aftermath of the Great Recession, millennials were a little bit more about finding a great place to work, something that brought them happiness. And now we're seeing with Gen Z a little bit more of a demand of I want to be paid well because I'm very worried about having to deal with financial challenges. They they watch the millennial generation go through that. So they, uh, there's a lot of research say Gen Z is kind of in that regard, a lot like baby boomers um, seeking financial stability and security. Gen Z's have grown up in, you know, like millennials, a time when things are unstable and quite frankly, violent, you know, for millennials, it was school shooting September 11. With Gen Z, it's, yes, still school shootings, um, but Gen Z is also really, really worried about things like climate change, things like equality and inclusion. They are, uh, they, they've kind of catapulted over their traditional adolescent years, especially with pandemic. But um, if you have a Gen Z in your life or you you talk to Gen Zs, you know that they tend to be very <clears throat> mature thinkers thinking about very serious things. <laughs> and uh, so they they there's a little bit of that hero mentality that I I feel personally responsible that if this there's going to be change in this world, I have to be the one to do it because government isn't doing it. Corporations aren't doing it. So I have to use my voice and try to rally for change. And that's pretty heavy considering most Gen Zs are in their teens and early 20s, but they want to carry the torch to make a positive difference. Not that millennials didn't, but Gen Zs are definitely feeling the pressure at a very young age and actually feeling a lot of anxiety about their futures. I think that last piece there is a really interesting maybe opportunity for that shift into associations, right? Like why would a Gen Z person join an association and I think potentially, right, that ability to really impact something to make big change. Again, as long as our associations can provide that platform for them, right, that's a that's a unique opportunity. So that kind of lends to my next question, which we've talked about who they are, where they're coming from, like what's their mindset. So how how does an association welcome them in? What are they looking for? 
what makes an association attractive for someone from Gen Z? Right. Results, results, results. <laughs> so Gen Zs are going to hold, they're already holding organizations and leaders and even, even the president accountable through their protests, uh, both online and person. You know, it's accountability. They want to know that whatever they are a part of, that organization aspires to be, they're on a trajectory and they're aspiring to be something better and create something better. So, you know, associations kind of have their mission, uh, hopefully, and they're, they're call to action. But I think a lot of times that's, it's not enough. Gen Z is literally going to ask what are you doing to make things better for me and for others? And um, they're going to expect associations to take the lead. So that that's a that's a radical shift. You know, um, it used to be, you know, 30, 40 years ago, associations kind of opened their doors and said, here we are. <laughs> you come find us and we're going to do good things like bring people together and lobby and that kind of thing. Well, we're, we've seen this transition within associations and Gen Z is kind of the exclamation point of that to say, it's not enough just for you to be there. What are you doing for outreach? What are you doing to influence meaningful, sustainable change? Um, not just in the short term, but the long term. How are you helping me acquire new skills and information? What is your greater call to action? Uh, what's measurable? What's, you know, and I think that's also key differentiator with Gen Z. They grew up with actual little dashboards. They could check on an app how well they were doing in school at any time, in any class, and get data. So literally a, a dashboard of success. How am I performing and how, you know, I need to improve my grade in that area to be more successful. Well, this is going to transition into associations and workforces as well. What is your dashboard? How are you measuring your success? Where are you at? And what's what's your plan to move things forward really fast? So results, results, results. I can't emphasize that enough. They're going to want to know what's in it for me, but also how does my participation make a difference for greater community or greater cause? I think that's, I think the peaks I pull from that is that mission and vision aren't enough anymore. And I think you're right. That's what associations, I think, for a long time have relied on, right? Like, here's this aspirational thing we will be. And it sounds like now we've got a group of people that are coming in that if they are joining our association, I think that's the other key piece, if they are, right? If they are here, though, they want to know that we're actually moving that vision and mission forward um, and that it's not just lip service anymore. Is that fair to say? Oh, exactly. That is so true. Yes. And we see, we've see we seen that with protests, you know, against Starbucks, with Black Lives Matter, um, you, you know, during presidential elections, they are not afraid to speak up and, and demand change and demand results and demand that you know what you're doing and can have the data and the, the wherewithal to be able to support what you're doing. 
So with all that, because I would anticipate not every association is currently operating in oh my. a way, <laughs> no. right? That would, no. uh, Gen Z's would be like, yeah, this is amazing. They're doing everything I want them to do. So how do we approach some of the changes then maybe that we need to make to stay relevant to Gen Z, right? Because mm-hmm. if, and, and I'm sure we have this conversation every major generation that comes through, right? Like if we don't change these couple things, we won't be here in 15, 20 years because we won't have any members anymore. And in some cases, maybe even faster, right? Maybe we won't have members in five years anymore. But what are some of the the ways or maybe the things specifically, you know, you mentioned a few around dashboards and showcasing those results, but um, do you have any specific things that associations should really be focusing on to keep Gen Z in mind? Yes. So I think it's absolutely critical that young people, students and young professionals are um, have a seat at the decision-making tables. So whether that's committees, task forces, or boards of directors, there needs to be young people actively participating in those arenas. And not just one, um, that absolutely drives me insane when people say, well, we have one person. Well, that's just saying you have a token person. Uh, we have yeah. our student rep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is that is not enough. So what, what we need to be able to do is to be, associations need to transition to be more representative of their vibrant, changing membership community. If associations want to be inclusive, they have to actually start at the top with leadership and those decision-making entities. So I think it's absolutely critical that, that associations have diverse leadership groups, people of all backgrounds, experience, levels, and skill sets, people who've been at the association forever, their executives, working side by side with those who are mid-career and those who are early career and those who are, you know, studying to be in the career. That ensures that associations can be constantly learning and teaching from one another, building relationships. And through that relationship and those dialogues, you're establishing greater empathy, you're gaining a whole new perspective, you're you're uh, more responsive and aware of change that needs to happen in the organization, you're innovating. There's just so many positives to doing something like that. And regrettably, a lot of associations still have a very hierarchical, old-fashioned model towards governance, where it's kind of the senior level executives getting together and it's people who are all kind of the same. And so it creates this echo chamber and it also creates a bigger and bigger gap between those decision makers and the youth of today. So there are a whole heck of a lot of associations that have no idea about Gen Z and a lot, quite frankly, who are still learning about millennials, which is just the sad truth. So they're not staying relevant. And quite frankly, they aren't upholding their responsibility to represent and serve their membership community. They're only representing and serving a small portion of it. And as you can tell, I'm quite passionate about this topic. (laughs) So so how, because I always think like when we have these conversations with folks, I'm always like, yes, this sounds great, right? Tomorrow I'm going to go and I'm going to be like, this is what we need to do in my association. But how do I approach those conversations, right? How do I 
talk to my maybe more Gen X or in some cases still baby boomer board, right? And how do I say, in a a nicer way, right? Some of you may not need to be here anymore uh, because we need (laughs) some space for, as you mentioned, right? A more representative view of our current membership or we need to bring in some new ideas. How do we approach that conversation? Right. So I think at minimum, it's a good idea for an organization to do something like a think tank or a panel discussion or even doing, um, I've, I've seen associations do where they'll interview, they'll, they'll, they'll have an outside person interview and capture audio with a younger person, for example, and then play that audio back kind of so that person stays anonymous, but play the audio back for the board and asking some hard-hitting questions like, how do you feel about association? Do you feel like you belong? Does this feel like an inclusive community? And so when you play back the quotes, a lot of times those leaders will be like, oh, oh, crap, we are not on the right. We're, we're actually alienating people. It's sometimes it has to be through their voice and points of view. And the same is true for like doing a panel discussion among young people and asking them some questions or organizing a think tank of, uh, you know, a group of young people and um, getting their insights of what's affecting the industry right now. How can our association best serve your needs? You know, using that as a great format for feedback. And what's interesting is in every situation where I've seen this happen, there's some little light bulbs that just tend to go off in the for the leaders who are currently there. And they'll say, oh, oh gosh, I'm feeling a little bit irrelevant right now. Um, or I didn't realize this was happening. So then they're either starting to think, I should make room for someone else, or I need to make room for change and advocate for change and getting more young people into leadership. But I I think it's really powerful when when we amplify the voices of the people who we uh, so desperately need to reach. Yeah, so really giving them that platform to share their feedback and what they're hoping they can gain from the association. Right, exactly. So much like there probably needs to be some change at the leadership levels, I would assume, because you mentioned, right, things like what they're looking for, right? They're looking for how we can help them develop skills, how we can create meaningful and sustainable change. I'm guessing that that means some of our programs and services and resources probably need to change as well at some point. And maybe they don't all need to go through a complete overhaul, right? Maybe some we just need to change, as you mentioned, right? Maybe they're more visual learners. Maybe we need to change what's been a a pretty text-heavy report to something that's a little bit more visual, potentially. But how do you recommend approaching our programs, our services, our recruitment practices that have always worked, right? They're tried and true. We don't need to touch them. But as we're thinking about Gen Z, how might we approach those programs and services? Right. So again, there's power in bringing in young people to weigh in and ask them, what would be a value or benefit to you? How can our association fulfill that need? What are programs and services that you would take advantage of if they were accessible to you? If I had to guess, which we have done research on this, but I always encourage organizations to do the research for themselves because 
there's valuable learning in that process, but also every community can differ. And um, it's good to, to do the research. I am often surprised, <laughs> shocked really, how few associations actually survey and seek to find the actual data. There's a lot of assumptions made, a lot of stereotypes. We think they want this. We're going to do this because this is what so-and-so thinks. That That's not a, a good model. So if, but it, based on our research and our interactions with Gen Z, again, yes, results and speed are incredibly important. Gen Z is in a place where they're looking for jobs they're looking for learning and mentoring opportunities. Uh, something I didn't mention previously is that um, there is an obvious education gap that has emerged and, and something super simple. It's going to sound so simple when I say it, but it's actually um, really, really impacted the workforce. And, it, and I'm sure that there's examples like this in associations as well. When you look at how Gen Z was raised with social media and schools implemented tablets, Gen Z's learned how to do everything via Google Docs. And so now moving into the workforce, there aren't a lot of workplaces that use Google Docs. And that's a, a minor example, yet important one. So um, long story short, Gen Z is also looking for opportunities to learn because there are education gaps. Students are coming out of school, whether it's high school or college, going into the workforce, and there are key skills that they're missing, whether that's software or soft skills or industry. The industry has advanced in recent years because we're all in this crazy chaotic change and schools haven't kept up with that. Education's fallen behind. Whatever the case may be, Gen Z is coming to associations saying, help me <laughs> bridge these gaps in my training and my learning. Help me advance my career quickly because I'm being called upon at a younger age to help fill some of these vacancies. People are moving up. It's musical chairs in organizations. Baby boomers are retiring. So there's a lot of opportunities for Gen Z's but they lack some of the critical skills and savvy to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So, so those are very, they're looking for small groups. They're looking for mentoring. They're looking for, yes, results of their success. Gen Z tends to be very competitive as well. They've been raised to compete. And um, so they like the idea and would like the idea within associations of things like awards, certifications, um, other aspects, uh, gaming, other things that bring a level of fun and competitiveness to learning and engaging in the community. You know, it's it's very interesting that you mention kind of that education gap around technology. That's something I feel like over the last year, especially as I've started to work with some more Gen Z folks, that's something I've noticed. And I, I say something as simple as like keyboard shortcuts, right? Yeah. Um, I've yeah. grown up with those. I, I I live by keyboard shortcuts. I'm like, how can I not move my mouse around? How can I do everything I need to do, right? And I was training some people early on. I was watching as they were working and I was like, I, I'm going to ask maybe a very dumb question. Do you not like keyboard shortcuts? Do you just not prefer them? And, and the response was often like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like what, 
what are you mentioning? And I would show them and they'd be like, oh, wow, this actually is really fast. Um, this is much better than what I was doing. But I think that highlights, and that was something I remember going home and talking and saying, I'm so intrigued. They're, they're so great at the phone, the tablet, the mobile app kind of things. But some right. of these more basic skills, they've just not been taught because they didn't use it. Yeah. Whereas I grew up with it, right? And so that is very interesting, I think, to hear that that's an area that associations or even just through mentoring, right? That those are some simple things that we can help showcase for them, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah, it is kind of funny. We've had Gen Z is working with us and just little things like, why aren't you using this or doing that? Or I have no idea how. So it does, yeah, there's... It's a, it's an entirely new, you know, when millennials came of age, it was all about, you know, the first computers, personal computers and all of that. But boy, we have advanced in a very short period of time and with Gen Z growing up completely, almost completely app-based, it's a very different mindset and work process. Thank you for listening to You Should Hear This, Generation Z, Who They Are, What They Want, Part 1 with Sarah Sladek. Sarah and I's conversation was filled with so much great and intriguing information, we decided to split it into two parts. You can hear Part 2 on the next episode of You Should Hear This.